This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered, too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and co-hosting today will be Yara Shanaeus and Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of the 3-0 loss for Fulham against Everton. This was a terrible loss, and we'll be breaking it down in a few minutes. However, before I go to my co-host, I want to talk about something that some or possibly many Fulham supporters could be dealing with. Are you angry, extremely concerned, and worried about the rest of the Fulham season? Well, you could be suffering from FDS which is Fulham Demise Syndrome. Here are the symptoms, guys. (laughs) Right after the loss to Everton, you went on social media and you expressed that you were concerned that this team going to be in a relegation battle this season. (laughs) Number two, you told yourself that the losses against Manchester City and Everton were a strong indicator that Fulham are in trouble. Number three, you've now come to the realization that the Burnley win means less because they're not that good this season. Number four, You ignore the first half of Fulham against Everton and just focus on the second half demise for the club. Number five, you ignore the idea that there could be three or more teams worse than Fulham this season. And number six, you convince yourself that we have spent the money badly this summer and keep saying, what did Fulham get for spending over 100 million pounds? Now, here are the best ways to deal with FDS. Number one, tell yourself we're only seven games in and these players need time to gel together even though secretly you don't think they'll come together. Number two, take a fitness class like I just did to take your mind off of this loss. (laughs) Number three, watch the championship final again to make yourself feel better. Number four, remind yourself, at least you're not a Cardiff City supporter who watches that team each week. Number five, watch at least 100 times the Dempsey chip against Juventus because you know that will put a smile on your face. And number six, listen to Cottage Talk because we'll set you straight. Okay, well, there is the Fulham Demise Syndrome. So you think about it and ask yourself if you suffer from it. Before I go to my co-host, I have to mention that I got this idea from the article by Tommy Curran on NBC Sports Boston, which was about Patriots Demise Syndrome. And this is similar. So let's just say this is not original, but I have adapted it for the Fulham supporters. Okay, Max, I'm going to go to you. We already did Cottage Talk full-time. So before we get into talking about this match in detail, what are your thoughts about my idea, <laughs> Fulham Demise Syndrome? Yeah, I mean, obviously it, it, it's a big problem out there, and we're just out here to try to raise awareness and, and help people. <laughs> so that's our role. We have our platform. We need to use it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a great idea. It, it's, I, I love the way you adapt it for Fulham because there are people out there, you know, we all have seen it on Twitter uh, and on Facebook saying, Salisa needs to go. I mean, even yeah. before the match, I, I mean, I, I read something ridiculous saying Salisa took Fulham as far as he could take. Yeah, I've seen that. And it, it is ridiculous. And I mean, I also read this on Twitter, which I think is a great uh, summary of, of the fan base, which is, you know, winning really kind of spoiled us in some ways. And when you start losing, it shows the true colors of some fans you know, who demand just unrealistic things and, and won't always want to assume the worst just to get a reaction. 
or that's just how they look at things. And yeah. you know, there's no way to, to paint it. That that three 0 loss yesterday was was gutting. It was it was disappointing and you know very frustrating in, in all ways. But at the end of the day, when you reflect on it, and I think as you mentioned in in your in your intro, the games against Everton, against Manchester City away, you know, these are not matches which determine our season. No. And although there was a disappointing second half performance, we need to look at the positives as well as the negatives in the match. And I think there are a lot of both to look at. Um, and let's be honest, our home matches are what are what are going to decide our season, and also away matches against similar opposition. And Everton are not in the same league as us. They're well above us in quality. And it showed. Yeah, listen, uh, Everton are a good side, and I got a, a message from a fan that told me that they're poor too, so that just is a bad reflection on Fulham. I completely disagree with that. Everton are a team that's going to fight for seventh. I truly believe that. Before this match, I thought that they are the team that's been in the league for such a long period of time and have been on the precipice of trying to get into, say, the top six. Before, it was really the top four. And they are trying to do it again under Marco Silva. They need time to gel as long as Fulham need time to gel. And you're seeing the quality that they have. So this loss, I look somewhere to Manchester City. People might disagree with me on that. But that's a difficult place to play. Forget about the record, the history of Fulham. It's always going to be a difficult place to play. And uh, the first half performance gave me hope of what Fulham can be. In the second half, we can see all the problems Fulham have and the quality that Everton have. All right, I want to go over to my friend, Mr. Janaeus. Giannis, what are your thoughts about my opening there and my bringing to attention my idea on Fulham Demise Syndrome? What are your thoughts on that? I think you've saved many lives this morning. <laughs> I think history will be very kind to you. I think you were sensitive to the fact that cliffs are beautiful elements of nature. <laughs> and they just don't look the same with, with corpses at the bottom of them. Um, you've provided hope for millions around the world <laughs> that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that even in our darkest hour, things could get worse. I mean, you could support Macclesfield Town. <laughs> you know, it is... Th- th- or this- watch Crowd of City, like I mentioned. Absolutely. I- I'm touched by your sensitivity and your insight. <laughs> um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And... Um, it's very real. And for those of you that, that can't follow any of the aforementioned prescriptions, I would suggest okay. go to a doctor. Um, and I know that maybe, I don't know, a dose of sarin and polonium might end it a little quicker than you want. But um, that might be the route you have to go. But please, doc- Dr. Goldman here has prescribed some incredible stuff. And uh, we would be behest if we didn't follow his his, his wisdom an insight to ensure that we all have a happy season. Well, Giannis, it's funny. I, I just wanted to lighten the mood a little bit off of a very bad loss. It's a bad loss, but it's one match. Just like the yeah. Manchester City loss was bad. And I was thinking about this when I was writing this. Because if you look at those two losses on the road, and you say compare that to the opening loss against uh, Crystal Palace, and that's at home, that's a brand new team. They're not all the same types of losses. You're talking about two quality teams you're losing two on the road, and Fulham were just starting out at home. And that's why I'm glad that we can go through this because I'm disappointed by the loss, but I'm not going to the point where I want to use the R word. And I don't feel that we should be using the R word because I look at, like I mentioned in my opening, I look at the first half. If you want to give me the demise of the second half, we're going to talk about it. It was horrible, but a lot had to do with how Everton played. But in the first half, and I said this to Max, Giannis, maybe you disagree with me. I thought Fulham were the better side. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we, I thought we were. It's, it's, um, we just we had a couple of key chances in the first half. I'm sure Seth would like to have that chance back. And Andre and then, uh, I don't. Obviously, uh, Coach Silver's um, said something to my halftime and he said, did. look, we've lost, we've beaten this lot 20, 21 times in a row. This is about as inevitable as Roseanne Barr trying to say something funny and failing. So, you know, uh, pigs have bacon. So we, you'd be nice to get something up there, but it, it wasn't going to happen. He's got inside them, and unfortunately we came out a little flat in the second half and they got the three goals. So, you know what? We move on. It's just one game. That's the beauty of it. It's one game, um, and uh, as disappointing as the result is, we just uh, move forward. 
Right. And again, just from where I live, it's one game at a time, one match at a time, and you have to put that behind you and move on to Arsenal. And I know everyone's already talking about, oh, no, Arsenal's coming to Craven Cottage. And I'm here to tell you that Fulham are a different team at Craven Cottage. And I don't think it's going to be as easy as some people think for Arsenal. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But it's just one match. And hopefully Fulham can uh, fix the issues that they're having that they continue to have defensively. Unfortunately, they have injuries on top of that, which is going to make it even more difficult. But there's work to be done. But it doesn't mean that it isn't fixable. And Giannis, I asked Max this too, because this is also part of this. Do you think the issues that they're having defensively is who they're going to be the entire season, or are they fixable? I think they are fixable. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I do think I do think they're fixable, and, and, and sometimes you have to have a little bit of luck. I mean, we lost Fosu Mensa. Um, See, I think that was a big loss at the beginning of the match. It was, it was because Christie just didn't seem to be able to, to, to handle the pace out wide, and then, you know, it's Reem's first full game of injury, and um, now we find out that Joe Bryan is injured. He's going to be out for a little while, but then again, you, I mean, Le Marchand can come in. Yep. And we did create chances in the first half. We did. And we just didn't finish them. So, I mean, that's the thing that Slava could look at and say, well, critical times could have taken the lead. We got a goal up at half time. The Evertonians, you know, will not be happy campers. But they went in at 0 0 and had some hope. And uh, second half, they came out flying, and uh, that was the end of that. Okay, very good, and we'll go through that in just a bit. Max, I want to go over to you. Obviously, we've already talked about this on Cottage Talk full-time. I've had a chance to watch back some of this match again, especially the beginning of that second half and the end of the first half, and I guess you could say they're completely different ways of how this match was going. First of all, Fulham were definitely uh, on the front foot near the end of that first half, and the second half it was all Everton. So that's what I basically saw. That was all backed up again when I, when I watched it back. But what are your thoughts a day later? My my thoughts really kind of turned to what happened during that halftime interval. You know, when we went off, I think we can all agree, we went out into the half on top. We had that amazing Cessna chance. The momentum was with us. And then second half, Everton come out a new team, and we come out a, a team with, with little ambition, and we seem very content just to kind of let them – attack on us and, and not really offer any any resistance. What, what happened during that? What did Tulisa say? What, what, what was the player's reaction? And, and why did we just come out the second half, a, a team that, that really looked night and day from the one that ended the first half? That's what I'm so fascinated about because we just didn't have any attacks second half, basically. I mean, we had they were very few and far between. We never really possessed the ball like we did uh, at times at the end of the first half. And I think a lot of that can be due just how Everton immediately started on the front foot. Yep. You know, as I said yesterday, the match was on in that first five to ten minutes when Everton was all over us. We kind of lose our confidence. We can see the penalty and kind of things just kind of uh, go from there. They snowball from there. Yeah, exactly. And and once we're down 1-0, I think when we're away from home, it's very difficult for us to drag back that goal. You know, we're always going to have that mental... Even um, though we had that opportunity, yeah, which we'll yeah, talk about. Mountain to climb. An opportunity uh, with Vieto, yeah, but he never thought he was going to take it, unfortunately. And that I think we're, we're going to talk about Salisa and, and rate the manager later on. Yep. I might say, listen, Salisa, what happened during halftime? Because that's, I think, when the match was won. It's a good point, and I want to mention, because I've seen the comments from Marco Silva after the match, the Everton manager, and he was talking about, I'm paraphrasing, being more aggressive, I guess, is uh, the way to look at it. And his team was. And that, to me, was the difference. They raised their game. They came out strong. They took it to Fulham, and they deserved this victory. I, I don't think anyone's going to doubt that. But I'm also not going to look at the first half and say that didn't exist, because it did. And there were things that you can take out of both halves. You can take things out of a loss that are positive. Obviously, negative, there are a ton. But there are some positives to take out of it. And I think we should cover those too. But before we do that, guys, and also talk about the starting 11, instead of uh, focusing on what the managers say, I usually do that at this point, I'm actually going to share some information from Jamie Reed, who does the uh, broadcast on the radio with uh, Gentleman Jim. And he actually just messaged me this, his thoughts on the match. And I want to share them to you and get your reaction to it. This is what Jamie said, because he's right there with Gentleman Jim. It was a classic game of two halves. 
we'd played well in the opening 45, had chances to take the lead, but never took them. Everton improved after the break and scored the crucial first goal. From there, they were justified winners. We need to tighten up, but there were positives to take from the game. The return of Tom Kearney was a huge boost. So too, Tim Ream. Injuries to two defenders didn't help our cause. All right, Giannis, I want to get your thoughts on what Jamie Reed messaged me about this match. He was there broadcasting the match with Gentleman Jim. Your thoughts. What stands out to you? Well, I agree with him. I mean, I thought it was a game of two halves. I thought we were I thought we were pretty good in the first half, uh, especially near the end with the Sessignon chance. And then, you know, the second half they came out flying. But, you know, having team, Tim Ream back makes a massive difference. Let me and ask you. Just, yeah, it's not to say... How do you think he did? Which is, I'm curious because you've been talking a great deal about it. How would you rate him in this match first time back playing in the Premier League since his injuries? I think I think solid. I don't. I don't think he's not going to be. I don't think he. A couple of errant passes. I don't think he's going to be at maximum yet. He's going to need a few games for that. But I thought he was solid. Um, now, of course, you've got different. You've got Adoy there. Mawson's out. Um, the question becomes who's going to be his his, his centre back partner. But I thought he did okay. It's. Um, but in this division, uh, you may not get many chances, and um, you may get one chance. Yep. In a game. And you just got to put it away. And unfortunately, we had the chance to go go into a halftime break, at least a goal up. And um, um, unfortunately, we didn't put it away. But I thought overall there were some promising signs. And you know, we are a work in progress. I mean, yes. all the fans are, the, the fans out there are having an absolute cow. And I just, I, I just, just it just oh, because they're suffering from Fon Demise syndrome. Honestly, get some sarin. <laughs> That'll do it. I mean, I mean, it's, I know it, it's, go ahead. You know what? I find it, I find it, um, for the older fans like, like me. Yep. We'll remember, we remember the really, really dark times. Again, yep. I'm pinching myself. We're back in the Premier League and we've still got 31 games to go. And remember, the weather's going to get colder. And, you know, once he figures out the lineup, we're going to be fine. Um, we've got to embrace our mistakes. We have to learn from our mistakes right. and understand that in this, this division, um, as we found out against Watford last week, yep. uh, they, you know, you just have to make one, you know, poor decision first minute and any team will punish you. Not even good teams, any team will punish you. That's right. So it was, um, I, I agree with, with, with Jamie and I think we, I believe we're going to be just fine. So do I, but, Again, I'm glad that Jamie pointed out the first 45 minutes, and I want to mention that as well, and we could talk about what happened in the second half too because it was certainly a match of two halves, and he talks about that. And, Max, I want to go to you because I found it interesting. You said this right before I read this to you, talking about that crucial first goal. He mentions that as well. So what stands out to you, what I read to you from Jamie Reed, who you can actually listen to with Gentleman Jim? Yeah, um, I think – Everything he said there was really spot on. Um, and I also like to focus on the return of Tom Kearney because yes. I honestly don't think we yes. mentioned it that extensively uh, yesterday. No, we didn't. And honestly, because um, this is just my take. I don't know if it's too harsh on him coming back from injury, but I can't think of one thing Kearney really did um, in, in, in his time on the pitch yesterday. And to be fair, we were down 2-0, and then we went down to 10. And it's not an ideal way to make your return from injury, you know, wake at some park when you're already losing the match basically over. But I don't think he was um, in the match. Of course, when you're coming center midfield, it's very easy for the match to kind of pass you by in that situation. But I don't think we've seen the best out of Tom Carey this season. So I'm really looking forward, you know, to see how he reacts. Because right now, in that 4-2-3-1 formation, which you played yesterday, where does Kearney go, honestly? Well, we talked about this last week, that yeah. this would be yeah. an issue possibly. An issue. Where does he fit? One thing I think will help him is that, you know, with the injury to Fossey Mensa and the injury to Joe Bryan, I think Sessinen will move farther back, perhaps. You're so probably right. In that 14-1, sure will not move left. Um, Kenny will be attacking central midfield and Vieta will go right. So luckily for him, I don't think he'll have to, Salisa won't have to make an uncomfortable decision whether to drop Anguissa or Seri, honestly, because that's where but I think he will At some gone. point... Yeah. He might have to. He's going to have to, which would be yeah. fascinating to see. But I think we need to see Kearney back to his best because we haven't seen it yet this season, and we know how effective, how dangerous he can be, how vital he is to our system. If we see him at his best, 
that really could not really solve our defensive problems because that's a whole thing on its own, but perhaps yeah. make our attack more dynamic, make us more assured in possession, which means there's less opportunities for our defense to make a terrible mistake. Like, you know, we're guaranteed to do every match. <laughs> All right there, my friend. All right, let me go right back to you. Let's talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Let me just start before I go to you and tell you that I was happy with the lineup. We were talking, just talking about Kearney at some point. I, I know that he's going to be involved, but I had no problem with him on the bench. I was very happy to see Tim Ream. I was fine with this starting 11. I know others have been looking at Dennis Adoy starting, but I understand why Savisa made the decision to go with two players that he trusts. And we've talked about this, Max. I think he is leaning on a good amount of players that he trusts, like Adoy, like Ream. That's why the two of them, I think, started together. I had no issues with the starting 11. Your thoughts? Yeah, I actually thought the starting 11 um, was perfect. I said, this, I said this right before the match that I could not have asked for anything more. It's everything. Um, when I did a preview with the uh, Everton SB Nation site, yep. I, I honestly said the exact same starting 11 that we went with because that was my ideal starting 11. We have all the great elements of Reed coming back into the side, 4-2-3-1, that incorporates Sessegnon in an attacking position while also getting Angisa in there as a center defensive midfielder. Um, on paper, it was, it was kind of perfect for the occasion. You know, it was an adaptation to our 4-3-3 that suited our away match. So everything, I think, really looked good. And I thought the first 45 kind of validated that opinion that, you know, we had the right setup. Yep. For me, the person that stood out was in the starting lineup was Nkisa. He was excellent all match, I thought. I thought he bodied many players off the ball. He was a great – he broke up a lot of Everton attacks, and he started a lot of film attacks as well. Um, he really reminded me more than any other match this season of kind of a young Yaya, Yaya Torre. Wow, that's a it, It's a big praise, of course. He's not nearly at that level at all. But that kind of player who's kind of that midfield machine. Yeah, I understand where you're going on that. So that, oh, I, really, I was really was a fan of starting eleven. Okay, excellent. Giannis, over to you. We've talked about this, that you said that you thought a solution to our issue could be two DMs, two, you know, two people in the, in the middle. And, yeah. well, they've gone to a 4-2-3-1. Second week in a row, obviously – the second half against Watford, and he did it again here, and you could see that in the starting 11. So twofold, I want to ask you your thoughts on the starting 11, the 18 overall, and then, of course, the formation. Uh, I like the lineup. Um, the only question, that I, the only issue I had is if you're going to play the 4-2-3-1, I might have played uh, Kevin, K-Mac in there with Zambo. Okay. Um, and maybe played... Um, Maybe played Sari, Sari a little bit higher up the, the field. I, I want to see more in terms of ball distribution from Sari because that's what he really excels at. You don't really want him being the ball winner. Um, I don't think. So he's who would you have to... taken it out in that scenario, Giannis? Actually, I probably, I, I, probably Vieta. Okay. Probably Vieta. I just the minute just you think... said that, that was my first thought too. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I just don't think Sari is a holding. A holder will be necessarily more as effective as having K-Mac in there. You've got to free Surrey to do what he does best. Um, there were times when Mitro was isolated. I thought Mitro had a decent game again, holding yep. you know, um, you know, holding the line and what have you, leading that line. But uh, if you're going to play that two, you've got to have some some physical power. And I wouldn't put Surrey in that category, and I wouldn't put Steph Joe because he just kicks people. Um, so K-Mac would have been ideal, but again. When they look at the tape uh, tomorrow morning, Slav's going to be pretty pleased with the first half. Defensively, it didn't look like they were going to break us down. See, I thought um, we were solid one... in the first half, Giannis. Yeah, I thought there was. I mean, there was that one breakdown with Zuma getting the header that was offside, which right. was actually saved by Betts. Um, but I think long term, the I think shot it, by Walcott. But beyond that, what did they really do? They really didn't do anything, and that's the thing. But but I think. You know, he's got to firstly sort out that back four. And now, of course, with Brian out, that, that'll mean that Le Marchand will come in. And if, if Fosu Mensah's injured, that'll mean that Cyrus will stay in that uh, right-back position. But yeah. then it's going to be what happens further up the field. Having said that, Craven Cottage is very different from Goodison Park. Right. So um, we do play well at home. And so um, I'm expecting I'm expecting we're going to give Arsenal some problems next week. Um, good week of training. Look at the tape. You know, where did it break down? Our fullbacks got caught a little bit, I think. And um, 
I think once that's sorted out, we'll, we'll provide a good test for Arsenal. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, let's go through the first half, and then we will go through the second half. Two very different halves of uh, football. So let's start here. We've already been talking about this. I think it's substantial to talk about the uh, injury to uh, Timothy Fosu Mensa because nothing against Cyrus Christie. I think Mensa is the superior player, and I think Fulham were not the same without him because I've seen Mensa, and I think he offers both more going forward, and I think he's actually a, a good player defensively. Not a great player, but a decent to good player defensively. So I think we missed him when he went off in the six minutes. So let's start there because that changes a little bit how you want to play because Christie's just not the same exact player as Mensa. I think Mensa's more aggressive, and uh, I like what he offers. And uh, I think we might have missed that a little bit. And then uh, let's move on. You have the shot in the 11th minute by Mitro that goes over. And, Max, I'm going to go to you because we haven't talked about this, but this is another key moment. This is not to the level of what we're going to talk about a little bit later with Sessegnon. But this is an opportunity by Sherla that he needs to do better on. He was set up beautifully by Sessegnon. And I think this is being overlooked. I'm not seeing many people on social media talking about the Sherla mess. So let's talk about it here because I think this is a very bad miss by a player that should be doing better. He's a good player, and he should be doing better here. Yeah, fantastic point. I was actually thinking the same thing. Sessegnon with with the move that you've come to know him for. he, He did the same thing. I remember last season away at Cardiff. Um, when, when he left the Cardiff center half, you know, sliding all the way towards the advertising boards. And he did the same thing here to Michael Keane and then lays off a perfect cutback to Sherla and completely unmarked. I know the ball's coming back to him. It's hard to control, but it's, it's hit at a very nice weight and he just blazes it over. And that's a massive chance. He scores that. And I think he definitely should score that. A player of his right. quality, the totally different match, different, different outlook. And for people giving Cessna and stick for missing that one chance, you're right, I've heard nothing about Sherla, and no. Sessegnon actually sets this one up. So He does. He doesn't deserve the credit I think he, he needs for, for his performance yesterday, and this was a big turning point, actually. I'd agree with you. I think it's a huge turning point, and on the flip side, you look at the situation with Sherla, and then we can go in the second half and talk about the situations, two of them, for Gilfrey Sigurdsson. He takes advantage of his opportunities, yeah. and Andre Sherla, again, I think will score many goals for Fulham, but this is an opportunity that he'll look back and just say to himself, I should have done better because he should have. And I just don't think enough has been talked about, so I want to make sure that we address that. Then we go on to the situation that was uh, in the 14th minute. Betts makes the save. Zuma's uh, opportunity off of a free kick, uh, he was offside, so nothing happened to it. But this was a, a dangerous situation. Thankfully, he was offside. And then you have the... Um, Situation in the 19th minute, a shot by Walcott, like I mentioned to you, Giannis, earlier on. And beyond that, there really wasn't much going on for Everton. And Fulham then lets go all the way to the opportunity in the 42nd minute. Here's Fulham's chance to go into the half up 1-0. And this is just wonderfully set up by Seri. This was just great situation to put Sessegnon in. And unfortunately for him, he hits the crossbar. Let's talk about this and the situation and what it could have meant if he scored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was here. Yeah, that was the fuel that that that, um, that, that was the fuel that uh, helped to engage the FDS uh, victims. <laughs> oh dear, he'd like to have that one back. He struck yep. it pretty. He struck it very well, and Pickford's got no chance. But it's 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 hit the crossbar and. And you could see for the next two minutes after he'd scored, the, you know, he was, he was still down the dumps. He's still a kid. You know, nine times out of ten, that goes in the back of the net. He's not finished. It was a brilliant move as well. And um, it, here, this is where um, Slava did get it right. Pushing him up higher up the field, he was causing lots of problems. It was. Would have been a fantastic goal. But um, as I said before, um, this division isn't very forgiving when you don't put your chances away. And... Uh, Unfortunately, it gave them life. It did. And we're going to talk about the second half in just a second. But, guys, I actually have the halftime stats because I want to get your thoughts if they back up what you watch. So I'm just going to go through some of these stats and let's talk about them. This one actually I think is telling. Possession, 50% for both teams, even. Total shots. Everton had six to Fulham's five. On target, 
Everton had one, and Fulham had none. Corners, four for Everton, none for Fulham. Attempted passes, 210 for Everton. More attempted passes for Fulham at 225. This is the stat that stands out to me, guys, passing accuracy, because we usually look at Fulham as being 80% and above. Well, first of all, Everton were at 82%. Fulham were also at 82%. So that tells me something. And then Files Everton had six, and Fulham had eight. All right, Giannis, I'll start with you. What do the halftime stats tell you? Well, we, we kept good possession, and the passing accuracy was, was good. But I've noticed that this year the possession rate can be a little misleading because of where we're keeping possession. If we're keeping possession in the final further field, we're going to create chances and score goals. But a lot of it is dragging the ball across the back. Yeah. And so especially against, the, against teams that will let us play across the back at will, knowing that if we start pushing up high, they can hit us on the break, you know, is, is, is a problem. So um, I think Slab's got to, he's going to look at this game and say, well, where can I tinker it? And I think, you know, the it's not so much the amount of possession, it's what you do with it. And uh, we did create some chances. But having said that, um, it, it's where you're going to keep that possession that's going to be critical. Um, and uh, I don't really, I'm not a great fan of, of Everton's back four, to be honest. I mean, Zuma played for a team that got relegated. Michael Keane, good tackler, but not the quickest. Dinho, I thought, had a, had a good game for them. Kenny, I'm not so sure about. Um, and Richarlison and Walker aren't exactly great players at drop, tracking back and defending. No. So they were there for the taking. But I don't think we created enough, at times, penetration with the passing inside that third that exploited the wide midfielder's inability to drop to, su- to support the fullback. So, But, I mean, it's good to see that sort of possession. I just think we need to do maybe a little bit more with that. Okay, excellent, Darren. I'm going to say this now. I'm looking forward to the return match to Craven Cottage. I think we're going to see something extremely different later on this season between these two teams. And the reason why I'm bringing up the halftime stats is I actually, they look even to me. And when you're having even half, and I think Fulham played better than Everton in the first half, then that tells me something for the return match because we're going to be at Craven Cottage and things are going to be different. So I look forward to that. And I like your points about Walcott and um, Richardson, who's actually very dangerous, but I think they also leave space available for you to take advantage of them. And I think we saw some of that. Max, over to you. Do the halftime stats tell you anything? The one thing I want to talk about for the halftime stats, you know, zero shots on target, right? Yeah. I never for the life of me can understand, if you guys can help me, why is a shot that hits a crossbar or the post not considered a shot on target? That's the most Giannis, what are your thoughts on I, that? Yeah, you, I'm if you guys curious. have a good answer, I'd love to know because I can never it's, understand why. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but the target is the net. <laughs> and under the, the, as in, I mean, the the, the post, the posts and the and crossbar constitute the structure of the net, but the net is the net. I I, I see I see where you're getting at. I mean, see you getting that. I mean, you say yeah, it is on target, but it's not on target because it's it wouldn't have um, whether the goalie goes up for it or not. It's still not going to go in the back of the net. So it's um, yeah, and I, I see what you're saying. It's um, but then I've got the same moan about why now in soccer you've got assists. <laughs> you know, I mean, right? Who was who was the idiot that thought we'd have to have assists? Assists are for hockey. They are. You know, oh yeah. Well, Theo Walcott got two goals oh. and twelve assists. That's no, a hockey thing. I agree with you. Me- Me- Mesut Ozil will, will have a big bone to pick with you because that's the only reason he knows it at all now. <laughs> Mesut Ozil can go and <laughs> nozel, honestly. <laughs> okay, very good. So, Max. We're talking about this, but do the halftime stats tell you anything else? Yeah, I mean, I thought one thing I, I would say at halftime is Everton were poor. You know, they might have had whatever, six, six shots, but I thought they did not play up to their ability. No. And maybe that's a reason, you know, maybe we're looking at this kind of the wrong way in, 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 in a sense, is that the only reason we hung with them is because they had a bad first half. They did not strike me as dangerous at all in that first half. No, they didn't. And once they kind of got up to speed, you know, the qual- the gap in quality showed, and in the end, they were too good for us. That That's kind of my kind of um, best best example for the match. And, and, you know, yeah, you know, Everton played really well last week against Everton. Sorry, against away at Arsenal. Arsenal. 
yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a bigger indication of how they'd play yesterday than their kind of losses against West Ham or the draw against Huddersfield. It's kind of the new team that kind of turned a corner away at the Emirates, which is another tough place to go. They, right. they really get to count themselves. And at the end, once they kind of got up to speed in that second half, played to their potential, we could not really hang with them. I would agree with that, except for one thing. They were still vulnerable defensively. And there was that one opportunity, and we're going to talk about it, because for how dominant they were, there was an opportunity for Fulham to equalize. And that's my only bone of contention with what you said, is that, yeah, they were they were better. Maybe that's more of who they are in the second half. But I still thought that Fulham made Everton look like that. So, again, yeah. we can go back and forth for the reasons. I think Fulham had a hand, Max, in them looking bad. That's just my opinion on that. But I, I understand what you're saying because they were, they were much better in the second half and they took it to Fulham and, and Fulham could not deal with it. So now let's go to the second half and let's go right here, Max. I'll go right to you. And uh, I'm going to raise my hand. We said this on the show, the situation with Dennis Adoy. He pushes off. Go watch the replay. Anyone that doesn't think so, I hate to use this term because we use it here in Boston. You're Homer because you don't think that Fulham can do no wrong. I don't think many Fulham fans will disagree with us here that a penalty was the right call there. Would you agree with that? It's it's soft. I mean, it's it's not. It's and then it's going to have to save it. So I, there's no. It's it's silly. At the end of the day, it's a silly decision by Adoy, and that kind of exemplifies how he reacts sometimes when he's under pressure. Yeah. He panics. He does things that you don't expect. I mean, in the build up to the match, I'm sure you guys all read that Guardian. Um, uh, interview with him, yep. kind of detailed his career, and in that in that interview, they they feature uh, the part about the red card at at Wembley, and there's a picture. I don't know if you guys saw it of his boot on Grealish's basically chest, and that's a great uh, example for how Dennis Adoy defends sometimes. He just goes go, no, um, all guns blazing, cleats people um, in, in their chest, gets sent off, gives away penalties, loses his man on headers. And I love Dennis Oye because I just think for the other 90% of the time, he's an assured defender who actually plays very well and, and is a calm presence. But there are those instances where he just switches off, pushes players when he doesn't need to, you know, leaves Chunk Tosin open, drifts into the ball for no reason for that, for that uh, second goal. And those are the times where he's a liability and, and he's not quite Premier League quality, I, I don't think. I think he can perform well at times, but if he's our starting um, center back, it's going to be very tough to win the match. That's how I see Okay, very good. All right, Yanis, back over to you because now we have to uh, go through everything. I do want to mention Guilfrey Sigurdsson missed the penalty, hit the uh, crossbar. So then we have a situation where Everton are still putting pressure on Fulham. You have the shot by Richarlson, saved by Betts in the 53rd minute. Then you have a substitution as Tosin comes on for Calvert-Lewin. And uh, I think that's significant because Tosin made a difference, scores a goal. But in the 56th minute, you have the goal by Gilfie Sigurdsson. And this, to me, was all about Everton's pressure and what they were doing because they were they just kept coming and coming. They have all those corners, all those set pieces. They deserve this goal. This was coming. We all can agree on that. But let's talk about the goal by Sigurdsson and what you saw. Yeah, it was a nice, it was, it was nice build-up. Again, I mean, they, they'd been pressing and pressing and pressing. And uh, I think we were, we were beginning to lose steam and lose, and lose heart. And he's taken a crack, not far outside the box. It's it's a nice goal. It seemed to have. Um, we talk about hockey and the puck puck having eyes. It seemed to have eyes. Went at the corner. Really, no chance for for bets again. And um, I had the feeling then that when that went in, we were going to we were going to be in, in in trouble there. Uh, if we could hold on for another ten minutes, then maybe we could nick a point out of it. But having said that, Vieto, not far after that, had that chance. Five minutes left. Yeah, and uh, he's got to finish it, and um, he didn't. But um, Sigurdsson's a quality player. I mean, that's um, Icelandic captain. He's been there what a couple of years now, and um, when he's on song, Everton tend to be on song. It was a good goal. Okay, I'm glad that you brought that up because I'll, I'll go right back to. You. Let's talk about the situation with Vieto and Pickford coming out and. Saving that, and that to me was such a lost opportunity. I'll put that with the Sherlock shot, and then of course the Sessignon situation because this was one on one with him, and his first touch was bad, Giannis. And 
Yeah. Maybe at this point you don't think Fulham deserved to get the equalizer, but this was such a good opportunity, and this was, again, another turning point because if they score here, the match changes again. Yeah, he, he did a yarn there uh, because I think because uh, he subbed him. He did. Uh, he did. Shortly and after I, that. And that's exactly the move I'd have pulled. I think I'd have been pissed off and said, well, if you, you know, a first-class you know, player that's played by Atletico Madrid, and you on a good pitch, and your first touch is like right there, Giannis. Yeah, you got to score. You got to yeah, yeah. And it wasn't on, so um, Slava was pissed off because he knew that was the chance, and he and he yanked him off. And he's done that, and that's a and that's a good substitution because Vieto will now be thinking about that. And um, you've got to. That's why you're playing in a team like this. So, um, yeah, that was the chance. It would have been in many ways. I think it would have been daylight robbery if we got the goal back. But having said that, right. Our first half deserved maybe something. But unfortunately, if you don't put your chances away, that happens. And uh, um, and we didn't. And from that point on, they were, there was always going to be the likelihood they were going to score a second. And they did, Giannis. And Max, I'm going to go to you. Let's go to the 66th minute after Tom Kearney comes on Fieto. You have the goal by Tosin that's set up from Walcott. And this goes to how Everton were playing. This is, again, all about Everton. Yeah, the... So first of all, I mean, Reen get kind of sucked out wide to, to cover the ball in from Walcott. So that's fair. I think, you know, the left back, uh, Brian, wasn't, wasn't kind of got beat by the initial ball from John Joe Kenny. So Reen, the center back, is forced to cover. And then the thing I talked about earlier, I'll just go into greater detail. Adoy, he's with Tosin when that kind of ball gets yep. played to the byline. But for some reason, that's only known to him, I think. If he gets sucked in towards the ball, and he's not covering a man. He's covering the space in, in front of the goal in the near post, leaving his man completely open at the far post. Why on earth does he do that? Defenders have to check his man. He completely loses him on his back shoulder. Doesn't even lose him. Actively runs away from him. And then I think the blame also has to be shifted on Cyrus Christie. Because when you see a man open in front of goal, you have to react and try to at least attempt to cover him. But Christie also kind of stays in a half space, kind of covering the left winger and trying to cover Tosin at the same time, but in effect covering either. And when you give a, a striker of Tosin's quality a free header in front of goal, you know, he's not going to miss that from five yards. He's probably one of the easiest goals he scored in a while. It was first goal of the season. And, and it's always kind of a trend when Fulham plays teams. We love to give them, you know, a first win of the year, give the strikers a first goal of the year. We love to make it easy teams to break, break their duck in effect. And that was just very, very lax defending. It can't happen anymore. And what's funny about this, because I'm thinking about the players you're describing, and uh, Cyrus Christie, Dennis Adoy, these are players, these are full players that, again, um, I want them to do well. But I keep asking myself, are they good enough for the Premier League? And maybe in these two situations, I'm thinking about it. Do both of these happen if we're in the championship? Are both of those goals? I don't know. Maybe. but. I think part of this is the defending and the level that you're at. These are elite players that you're playing against that will take advantage of their chances. In both situations, they did. In fact, the third goal by Sigurdsson, same thing. We're down a man, though, so that's a little bit different. But these two goals, quality goals that you see in the Premier League, we're seeing this over and over again. We're, we're getting reintroduced to the quality of the Premier League after being the championship for that long period of time it's so different and these players have to realize that any mistake they made you know they have to be tighter on these players they cannot afford defensively to be making the mistakes that they're making and uh it ends up hurting Fulham all right guys let's finish up by talking about Joe Bryan going off injured this is concerning because uh I wanted him to be our left back he goes off Reportedly, I've seen different reports. The uh, commentators were mentioning that they think it might be a hamstring. We'll see what the situation is with him. But this is something to be worried about. And then, Yanis, I want to go to you. It's 2-0 at this point. We're down to 10 men. There's nothing you can do about it. Fulmer's still pushing to get a goal. So this obviously is going to lead to Everton having another chance. And Sigurdsson puts in the back of the net. And... Do they deserve to win 3-0? Yes, but not really in this situation. I think this has to do with being down to 10 men, but that's just me. 
it doesn't really matter at this point. It just makes the scroll line look better for Everton. But talk about the final goal here by Sigurdsson. Yeah, it was a well. It's it's the final. It's the final nail in the coffin. Um, and uh, it's it's you know <laughs> that's the depth they've got. The Bernard comes on and he helps to you yeah. know yeah. And that's and that's what they've got. I don't think it's a three nothing game. I think it's a, probably a two nothing game. I think the, th- the three goals flatters them. We had chances. Could have been very different. Had we, you know, the Cess chance and then the Vieto chance wasn't the B. But then, you know, it's we'll, we should all have a bit of a laugh because it's incredible that, that a team can go up to another venue with so many different lineups over decades with the same result. It's just it's it's like it's it's like voodoo, you know, as, as you're going into the through the gates of Goodison Park. We just don't do not have a good record there, which is really odd because if you look at the dimensions of Goodison Park, yeah. it's a pretty tight field. You know, it's not too dissimilar, really, to Craven Cottage, and yet for some reason we go up there and and we just n- never do anything right. Whereas w- when they come down to the cottage, uh, we usually we usually play well against them. It, it flattered them. They'll be happy about it. Um, I always said, you know, when you lose, you're never as good or bad as you think you are. I don't think we were that bad today. I just think we, yesterday, I thought we just got punished, uh, punished for our lack of, um, you know, being clinical in front of net and uh, defensively, which is a, which is a concern because Betts is playing well. It just the back four. Those goals it, weren't his fault, Giannis. No, they weren't. And Reem's going to need Reem's got to need time to get back, and yeah. you know, maybe um, maybe Brian getting injured. In a way, helps us because Le Marchand comes in back in. I don't think he was doing badly, and then um, we don't even really know the, the, the status on Alfie Mawson either. So, yeah, um, it's it's a bit of an odd situation right now. But um, um, you know, we'll dust it off. We'll look forward to the game against Arsenal. It'll be a, good, a very good game, and they're not going to fancy coming to play us at the cottage. And uh, the lads will look at the game tape, and uh, next Saturday there'll be another game. Okay, very good. And Giannis um, and Max, before we go on to stats, I want to ask you both this because this goes back to my initial uh, premise when we're talking about uh, Fulham Demise Syndrome. And when I look at this team and I look at all the chopping and changing defensively, but also in the midfield and um, obviously not up front with Mitro, but next to him changing the formation, Savis is trying to find uh, his team. He's trying to find what works and what doesn't work, and that takes time to adjust. But I'm going to ask you both this, because I see this differently than, say, the team that got relegated, the Fulham team that got relegated. That was an old team, and I didn't see a solution there, even though I was hoping and I kept telling myself that they could work through it, that they still had the players. But they were older players, and they didn't have the legs to really – withstand uh, that rest of the season. It, it just wasn't working. There was no cohesion, and there was no coming together. Here we have a lot of young players with some players that are a little bit more experienced coming together, and they're all working together for the first time as a unit, and that this takes time. So, Giannis, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think Fulham have a talented enough team to stay in the Premier League? I do. Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I do, and I think it's just going to. There's a couple of things here, uh, factors here at play. Number one, the transition to the best league in the in the world, and number two, the transition to the best league in the world with a bunch of new players and and trying to find the balance of who is going to constitute your starting lineup. And and he doesn't and know who you yet. Trust. Well, yeah, the only thing for Slava though is he does have injuries, and he's had injuries he since the start of the season. Starting with Tim Ream at the beginning of the season would have helped. He's going to need a couple of games, obviously, to get into, get to match fitness. But um, I, I've got no doubt about it. And uh, the Khans will be looking ahead in terms of the transfer window sure. um, to see to, to see where we need uh, um, you know reinforcements. I think the the scapegoat player right now in the Fulham lineup is Callum Chambers. I mean, he's getting an awful lot of stick um, about that, that he's he's too slow and he's not good enough a defender, and he's a bit a little bit of a dud. Having said that, 
Um, this is the beginning of last year, if anybody had said Adoy was going to be centre-back, we'd have laughed. And going back to what you said earlier about Adoy, um, Adoy actually, I think, was a little bit of a lucky boy yesterday. Um, he did, um, I love his physicality, but he did one challenge on Risha Leeson in the first half that studded him. Yep. And I think if, if, if the ref had caught that, he might have been in big trouble. He's got to be, I think you can... I think you can, uh, those fans out there will remember Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones got away with it 20, 30 years ago. But, uh, you know, if a ref sees that, our linesman catches him studying him like that, he's, he, it's a straight red. He's got to be very, very, very careful there. He has a little um, bit of Fredericks in him. Yeah, yes. so that'd be a good player to talk yeah. about. Yeah, and I, and I wasn't too happy with Christie either because when Christie came on, you know, he put uh, Richarlison, uh, yeah, I know he's a target. But a couple of you know, naughty challenges. Then he got the yellow. Yep. And um, this isn't the championship where often the refs will let you let you kick the bollocks out of other other people. You know they'll put up with so much, and then they'll start wielding the cards. And um, we just have to be careful with that. Maybe part of that was frustration. These players are quicker. They're bigger. They're stronger. They, and and most importantly, they make quicker decisions. So, um, you know, it was just about the Adoy thing. Adoy has to be careful. I, sure. I thought if that challenge had been caught, I thought it would have been in a lot of trouble because you could see the stud marks on uh, Richarlison's uh, thigh afterwards. You know, okay. they, they, they were telling the story. Okay, very good. Max, quickly, over to you. Um, thoughts of my premise. Are Fulham talented enough right now to stay in the Premier League? I, I think it's a yes. And as Yana said, I expect them to add reinforcements in January. But I don't think this is a talent issue. I think this is a new team issue. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, actually, it's exactly what I was going to say right there. You know, we're, there's no question we're talented enough. The players have talent. It's whether they're going to get together as a team and coalesce and become one unit. And that's yeah. just going to take time. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I'm not going to rush decisions now. You know, early results aren't encouraging, but... I would expect that with a new team that takes time to gel. And Does. always with Salisa's teams, we're notorious slow starters. And I, I just have a feeling we're going to hit hit a purple patch. Oh, I know it's going to happen. I feel strongly that it's going to happen. Yep. All right, my friend. All right, let's move on. Let's uh, end with stats. We'll go through them quickly and then a rating for Salisa. Here are the full-time stats. They're interesting. Possession. Everton. 51% to phones 49%. So it stayed pretty even with slight advantage to Everton there. Total shots is completely different. 19 to 6 in favor of Everton. On target, 6. None for Fulman. Many fans have been pointing that fact out that there were no shots on target. It reminds me of that West Ham match back in uh, the season we got relegated. I, I heard a lot about that too. So I understand why fans are pointing that out. Corners, this one's massive. 12 to 1 in favor of Everton. That tells you a lot. I think many of them were in the uh, second half. Then let's go all the way down to attempted passes. Looks like it's pretty even at 3 to 9 to 3 to 9. But passing accuracy, Fulham's went down in the second half to 80%, but not much from the 82% at halftime. And uh, Everton was at 81%. Okay. And fouls were even at 13 apiece. Max, anything stand out to you from the full time stats? Yeah, the corners. I mean, that's just show crazy. dominant by Everton. That's a great example of how dominant they were in that second half. And yeah. I remember our one corner uh, didn't even beat the first man. So just as well, we only had the one corner. <laughs> okay. Over to you, Giannis. What stands out to you? Yeah, the corners. Uh, that's a lot. They, they put a lot of pressure on us. Um, they did. For sure. I mean, they, they, they're a good side, and they've spent quite a lot of money. I don't... Um, you know, it 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 was just one. It's, it's, you know, I think the day after it's it's a little bit of a it was a bit of a strange game. You know, it's a game where we could have won, we maybe should have won, but could have got a point, should have got a point, ended up getting thumped. <laughs> you know, it's one of those where you just scratch your head a little bit. But um, the, yes, they did take a lot of corners, and um, the the fifty one forty nine possession is interesting. But again, it's you know, it's it's what you do with the possession as well that counts. Sure. Of course. Of course. All right. Yeah, so let's end with talking about Savisa. Give me a rating. Oh dear. Um it's gonna have to be five, I think. I mean he got the he got the lineup right. 
but I don't know what he put in there. To, uh, did he put Horlicks in the the halftime tea? I don't know. It's we came out a little flat, um, and uh, he wasn't helped by the injury to, to Fosu Man, so that that was, no. that was not good. But um, in terms of adjustments at halftime, Silver won the battle there. And he so did. he's got a few things to think about with the Arsenal game coming up, and he'll be very disappointed with the result. And he'll be, but he will also be disappointed about the finishing. And um, I'm sure he'll have a few choice words to say to his strikers tomorrow. Um, okay. I think, I'll get, uh, yeah, I'll give him a five. Okay, Max. I'm gonna be honest. I think a five is is fair. Starting lineup great. Forced into some tough decisions with subs, but and then the halftime debacle. Yeah, I gotta point fingers at the manager for that. Big disparity in performance. Okay, excellent. Great show, guys. The way we're going to end this, I'm going to ask you both the same question. I think this is a good way to end the show, but I'll start us off. I'm going to ask the question to all three of us. Do we have Fulham demise syndrome? I'm going to raise my hand and say I don't. I have Patriots demise syndrome. There's no question about that. If you read the article by Tommy Kern, you'll know that I have it, but I don't have Fulham demise syndrome. This is not something I have. Giannis, do you have Fulham Demise Syndrome? No, I don't. But I do have Ipswich Town Demise Syndrome. <laughs> um, no, not at all. No, no. You keep believing and you, 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 you jump up and down like a headless chicken to the good times and then you support them during the bad times. And right. Good God. I mean, all I've got to say is Mark Fotheringham. <laughs> I love when you go back there. Okay. Very good. Max, do you have Fulham Demise Syndrome? No, no, not not yet, Russ. Um, get back to me. <laughs> I like how you say not City. yet. Yeah, get back after the Carter City match. Okay. That is what I'm going to say. Um, I think a lot of fans are kind of circling that one on our calendar because sure. we're going to learn a lot about this team from that one. Um, and I'm really not looking forward to it. Remember the last time we went away to Cardiff in our relegation season, we were also all circling that match and that ended up very much a disaster. So, okay. Really That's interesting. Good. Really interesting. Okay, great show, guys. I, I want to just circle back to this because I did say that I don't have uh, foam demise syndrome. But I will share this on the Cardstock Facebook page, the article from Tommy Curran about the Patriots demise syndrome. And most of what he wrote actually is talking to me. It really is almost talking to me. So I would recommend you reading this because you'll get a good laugh if you know me at all, how I follow the New England Patriots. Patriots demise syndrome, unfortunately, is ingrained in me. I have that issue, but I don't have Fulham demise syndrome. So I just want to mention uh, that. Uh, I yes. I was going to say, I, I just sent you and Mac. Oh, actually, I sent you and Max about 10 minutes ago. The um, If, if you really, if you think that re- things are really bad, soccerONSunday.com, which does these brilliant parodies of, yep. of articles. Uh, I just sent you one a few okay. minutes ago about Jose Mourinho being sacked by Manchester United. We can't repeat any of it on here, of course, but it's a <laughs> bloody good giggle. It's okay. absolutely hilarious. Okay. Well, and then Giannis, I, I, I fell for that just for a second because I saw the link and I was like, hold on a minute. This actually happened. But I, I'd love to do one, um, a parody like that for Slavisa getting sacked. I might actually write <laughs> oh, that one on myself. That would be a good laugh, I think. I did. Honestly, I, was, I, I had to go into the next room. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Listen, great show. Let's wrap this up for... Max Cohen and Yashinas. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.